This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us. I'm super excited about this particular episode. I've been trying to arrange it for a while, um, but glad we were finally able to uh, get it arranged and, and all worked out. Uh, we have Pastor Michael Weedman with us. Again, super excited. Uh, Brother Weedman, would you just introduce yourself, tell the uh, audience a bit about you, your ministry, your background, uh, where you currently serve, what God's doing there, um, and then we'll kind of get into the discussion. Absolutely. Uh, first off, I appreciate you allowing me to come on your your show here. I, I've enjoyed everything that I've heard uh, as I was listening through some of the older podcasts and all, some of the older guests you've had on. A lot of uh, my heroes you've had on this podcast, so I'm, I'm very grateful to you for allowing me to speak for a moment. Um, so I, I've, I was raised in the apostolic uh, truth, Thank God. Uh, I'm very grateful for the raising that I had uh, for the, the family that brought me to church. Even before my parents were in church, my grandparents brought me to church. And so I'm very blessed to have known the, the church uh, for the majority of my life. Um, my uh, my dad, when he came back to the Lord in the mid-90s, we served in, uh, in uh, excuse me, I, I get my words out here in a minute. We served in Illinois, in Sheldon, Illinois, a little town about an hour south of Chicago. Um, for a few years at that point, my dad uh, got a name and a city from God, and he called, looked in the phone book, and called the name, and it happened to be a pastor in uh, Grants, New Mexico, who uh, who had a friend in Roswell, New Mexico, who was, who was about to leave uh, retire from the ministry. And my dad wound up going out there and uh, trying out, I guess you'd say, for the church, preaching for him. And they they loved the ministry. And so they voted my dad in as pastor. And at a young age, about eight or nine years old, we moved out to Roswell, New Mexico. And uh, that was kind of my first experience with being in a pastor's home. So I, I was raised from about the age of eight years old um, till 2014, when my dad uh, stepped down and I became the pastor here in Sparta, Tennessee, I was raised in uh, a pastor's home. Uh, so I did have a lot of experience with uh, the things that the pastor goes through and the, the, the trials and the, the, the things that, that he, responsibilities of the church and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we, we moved to Sparta, Tennessee, which is about an hour and a half uh, in between. It's an hour and a half to Nashville, an hour and a half to Knoxville. Um, here in the middle of Tennessee in 2000, um, right at the end of 99 into the beginning of 2000. And since then, we have been here in in Sparta, Tennessee. And I, I like I said, I took over as pastor in 2014 uh, when my dad officially stepped down and uh, make it into that in a little bit. But uh, God's, God's doing some great things here. I pastored beautiful people here in Sparta, Tennessee at the Pentecostals of Sparta. Um, it started out as a home missions church. Um, back in 2001. And from that time, we have probably had, I'd, I'd say, six or seven complete different um, groups of people that have been through. Uh, I, I don't think right now we have anybody who was with us from the beginning. Um, and that's mainly because of uh, most of uh, the ones who were with us in the beginning have passed on or have moved on. But um, we, um, we've been here for going on 23 years, be 23 years this year in September. 
Um, so we've been blessed to be a part of this community here in Sparta, Tennessee. God's doing some great things. Um, revivals in the air. You know, we've we've had the same issues everybody else has had, especially after COVID, with people leaving the church and not not wanting to come back after after COVID because they found an excuse that they uh, they were looking forward to to exit the church. So uh, yeah. we've had the same experiences. A lot of pastors and a lot of churches across America and as a matter of fact, across the world have experienced in the last few years. But even in the middle of that, God is moving in great ways. And and we still see growth, even though we, we don't see the same what we used to see, but we still see growth. And so I'm very, uh, very blessed to be in a home that, that uh, a home church that, that loves the truth, that loves Jesus' name, and that preaches the gospel. Amen. That's uh, that's great to hear. We love um, we love hearing about those uh, those stories of, of uh, home missions churches that are just really thriving. We love hearing about God just moving and doing the, the incredible and miraculous. Because I mean, really, uh, I mean that's that's what this podcast is all about. This is about encouraging, equipping, and empowering the uh, 21st century church. And, yes, you know when we hear stories. Uh, of God just doing the incredible and, and that growth that takes place within those uh, home missions churches. And, you know, that really encourages uh, people to, first of all, seek more of God. Yes. Uh, second of all, see beyond um, where they're at uh, into the capacity and the capabilities that, that they may be able to see and those roles that they may personally be able to fill. Uh, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, we're 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 a body of Christ. We are, you know, Paul, he said it good. He said we're many members and uh, we each have our own function. And, you know, not all of us will will be pulpit ministers. Um, you know, there's a lot of ministry that takes place behind the scenes and in the background. Amen. That, you, know, you don't see, you know. Amen. And, so it's so important. It's so important that, you know, we're we're getting the word out there. And that's what this is all about. So, uh, you know, we appreciate you joining us i'm again i i I mean i can't tell you how excited i am because um i just know that there's gonna be a lot of content that's gonna come from this uh, particular episode that's gonna bless some people and and help us uh you know uh your book the the book that we're gonna be talking about and 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 your your story um the book was called follow me uh finding purpose in your failure and so uh, we think about it. We think about all the disciples and we think about, I mean, first of all, you know, Peter, think about Peter and how, you know, it's funny because this whole time he's following Jesus, you know, his attitude is I can do anything. Yes. You know, I'm going to be with you until I'll, the I'll end. Fight to the death. And I, I, you know, he takes off a dude's ear, you know, he's yes. ready, you know, he's, he, he's, he's ready to go all out. He's all in. And, you know, Push comes to shove, it comes down to the line, and what's he do? He backs out. He backs out. He fails. You know, he, he makes a mistake. And so, um, and I think we can all find ourselves there at some point. You know, we all, we all you know, we're, we're not perfect. Amen. And, you know, this, this idea that to be Christian, you have to be perfect or to come to church, you have to have your life t- together. That's just, that's just not biblical. That's not right. No. And Absolutely. so we have to, we've got to get rid of the stigma. And so it's important, again, that we're having these types of conversations. So um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you the floor to just share your heart and just we'll just see what the Lord will do. And um, if I interrupt you because I really feel something in my spirit, I'll do that. And so Absolutely. Be but oh, um, no. we'll just follow the leading of the spirit and just 
see what God will do. Amen. Amen. So I, I definitely, uh, I, I agree. If, if you feel anything in the spirit, brother, just, you know, take your liberty. You don't worry about offending me. Uh, Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended. Amen. So uh, I try to live that way. You know, try not to get offended. I guess really a good introduction to the book would be kind of the, the, the birth of the book in my heart. Um, it was right around 2017 to 2018. I had been fighting a lot of depression and a lot of, uh, people had left our church and um things had happened and 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 i felt like a failure to be honest with you i just i just felt yeah. like i was spinning my wheels like what was the point and um i was working for a company at the time that uh, offered to pay my way to go to israel and of course i jumped on that i was like yeah absolutely you know i never thought it would be possible to even go to israel let alone have somebody else pay for it and so i i went and um i had to go roughly 6,000 miles away from home for God to sit me down on Mount Carmel where Elijah sat or battled the uh, prophets of, of Baal and the prophets of the grove for God to literally have somebody tell me you're not alone. You know, for him to bring up in my memory the, the, uh, the, the prophets that God said I have prepared that, that I haven't even turned, haven't bowed their knee to Baal, that haven't changed. They're still here and they're, you may not see them, but they're still here. I had to go halfway around the world for God to look at me and say, you're not alone. And that whole trip was just life changing for me, which actually um, I made it a, a point after that. I have been every year except during the time of COVID when they shut down. And then, of course, this year we were supposed to be there in October, but the war broke out and they uh, shut down the border. So we weren't able to go this year, but I've made it a point that I, I want to make it possible for other ministers to experience Israel because I really do believe it is a life-changing experience that that um, you just you're just not going to get it anywhere else. It's 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 a life-changing thing. Um, but back to the the book, I was sitting on the shore of Galilee, where where Luke five and where John twenty one take place, and as we were reading um, scripture, and I was opening up the Word and just taking some time and quiet, God began to deal with my heart on this this message. You know, you, you've got Peter, who was an obvious; he wasn't just a disciple; he was meant to be a leader of the disciples, and that's shown in his attitude. You know, if you spoke about the the I can do anything attitude, the I will fight to the death with you attitude or the attitude of I'll draw my sword in the garden and chop this guy's ear off. You know, that was, he was chosen by God because of that, that, that personality that he had and that mindset that he had, because that was his position. He was called to be a leader. And yet you find him in John 21 after Jesus has risen from the dead and after he had denied Jesus three times. I mean, it's 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 kind of bipolar in a sense because at one minute he's cutting a guy's ear off for Jesus and the next minute he's sitting around a fire and he's saying, no, I don't know who this Jesus is. You're, 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 you're lying. I've never seen this guy cursing Jesus because this girl is asking him, you, you're, you're one of them Galileans. You, you talk funny like them Galileans do. You was with Jesus. You, you know who Jesus is. And you see this, this man who was supposed to be a leader utterly fail and fall on his face. And after Jesus rises, you almost feel, as I'm, I do, as I'm reading the, the scriptures and I'm, I'm reading what the way Peter changes from this, this 
outspoken apostle that's ready to jump at any any word of Jesus during the time when Jesus shows himself to the disciples after his resurrection Peter almost becomes silent to the point in John 21 where he says I go fishing and, I, and I've said this in my in my book and I've also said it when I was ministering if you've not been to the point in your ministry where you feel like you need to go fishing you haven't been doing it long enough and I'm <laughs> And I, I don't mean, you know, just go on a vacation. I mean, to the point where you feel like, you know what, this is, I don't know why I'm doing this. I feel like a failure. Wow. I feel like nothing that I'm doing is making any sense. You know, for three and a half years, Peter, Peter walked away from his business, from fishing. He walked away from his entire livelihood and followed Jesus and dedicated everything he had to Jesus. And three and a half years later, he's sitting on a shore and he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to the thing I used to do because I'm tired of just sitting here with these ruts spinning. He's right back at the same place where Jesus met him the first time, where where he started. It, it's almost like that feeling of what was what was the last three and a half years about? What was it worth? Did I do the right thing? Did I, did I miss my calling? Was I supposed to follow Jesus? And I've been there. And that's where I was sitting on that shore in, in, in the Galilee after the Lord had already spoken to me and, and said, you know, you're not alone. I was still feeling that feeling of, but I've failed. People, people wouldn't have left the church if I would have done better, if I could have, if I could have been the pastor they deserved, or if I, you know, you get these feelings as a minister when when people walk away from you and they walk away from God, you feel like well, am I really doing, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And that's the feeling that I'm talking about when you feel like yeah. you need to go fishing. Like, right. Should I even be here? Well, what's my purpose? What's my point? And so it was wow. at that point that God began to open up the word in a way that I've never read it. Of course, you know, we've read the story. We know what John 21 says. That while they're out fishing, they fish all night and they, they catch nothing. Now, I've done a lot of fishing um, from Tennessee. I love fishing. And I'm very biblical when I fish because I don't catch anything. <laughs> they're out there almost in the same sense as they were in Luke 5. They fished all night. They've caught absolutely nothing. And if you if you look, and I, I, won't, I won't preach the sermon, but I'll bring up the point. If you look in Luke 5 when Jesus first comes and the Bible says that he comes to Simon's boat and he tells him to, to he gets in the boat and he asks him to launch out so he could preach. And he preaches to the, the, the multitude from Peter's boat, from Simon at the time, his boat, he looks at Simon after he's done and he says, you know, launch out in the deep for a catch, for a drought. He says, go out in the deep and put out your nets. And he uses the word nets, plural. He says, because every good fisherman knows if you're going to go fishing, you don't just drop one net. Right. You want to you want to drop out multiple nets. Jesus is saying to Peter, go out and I want to bless you. you you've, just, you've just allowed me to minister in your boat. I want to bless you. Uh, you know, Peter's the fisherman. He knows what he's doing. He says, you know, I've, we fished all night and we've caught nothing. In other words, he's like, I'm the fisherman, Jesus. You're, you're a good teacher. You, you've done a good job teaching to these people. I've, I've heard the, the, the message you just gave. It was good, but I'm the fisherman here. And, and how many times have we done that to God? Like, I, Lord, I know what I'm doing. I've, I'm the one who's living this life. I'm the one who's in this, this, this society. I'm the one who's in this community. I know how to reach these people. And all God really wants to do is bless us, but sometimes we're a little too stubborn to receive those blessings. But that's another point. <laughs> um, 
So Simon drops, he says, nonetheless, at your word, I will drop the net. So Jesus asks him for his nets, plural. Hmm. And Peter says, wow. Simon says, I'll, I'll drop a net. You know, I'll appease you to, to, to at your word, because and you're, you're a good teacher. You're probably a good carpenter. But I'm the I'm the fisherman. And so what Jesus wants to bless Simon with becomes almost to the point where he's losing everything. You read it. The, the Bible says that the nets are breaking and the, the ships are sinking. That's a bad day for a fisherman. That his whole livelihood is going down. And in that moment, Peter or Simon at the time sees something that he that he didn't see before. He sees that this man named Jesus is not just an ordinary man. He's not just some some teacher, some rabbi that's come to teach the people, but he is something different. There's a different anointance on this Jesus. There's a different spirit that is operating right here. It's not a spirit of a man. It's a spirit of the almighty God. And he recognizes it and he, he falls at his knees and he, he doesn't say, Jesus saved my business, but he says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. Because in that moment, his flesh recognized that he was in the presence of divinity. And when his flesh recognized he was in the presence of divinity, it wasn't about his business. It wasn't about his, his, his property. It wasn't about his livelihood. At that point, it was the realization that he did not deserve to be in the presence of the almighty God. But yet here he was standing in his boat trying to bless him. Wow. And there's a point in our lives where it's not necessarily about mom and dad went to church. It's not necessarily about grandma and grandpa went to church. It's not necessarily about I've, I've got to go to church for my image, or I've got to go to church for my business, or I've got to go do this for this reason. But it's a, it's a point in our lives when we have to stop and realize that when we step into the presence of God, we're not stepping into just an ordinary thing. We're stepping into divinity. And when that divinity comes, our flesh has to recognize we don't deserve this. But God is here standing before us. Even to this day, when God steps into a room, it is the presence of the almighty God that is there, not for someone else, but for me. And he wants to bless not someone else, but me. And my flesh has to recognize that and stop and say, okay, Okay, I don't deserve this, but he, but here he is. He's here. Wow. I think I, I think what what we need to do in our lives, we've got to get to a place where well, I personally think, and I mean, when we go through all the different uh, accounts of you know the followers of Jesus, the disciples, the apostles, and you go down through. Uh, down through the book of Acts, you can see that every single person has come to a place where they they are in a relationship yes. with Jesus Christ. But Absolutely. before they ever got to the place of relationship, they had to receive a revelation oh, yes. of who he was, not just, you know, in the world as creator. We know that you know, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made, you know, from the very beginning. And all things were created for him. And uh, they were made by him. And he was all the way at the beginning, you know, before the foundation of the world. And so when we realize that everything was created by him. Yes. We were created by him. The stars in the sky were created by him. And the Bible, the psalmist tells us that he stretches the heavens. You know, that's why the heavens are always expanding. Because yes. God is still, and here's the thing, God never stopped creating. Absolutely. 
And so, so when we get to this place of revelation that he's still creating in us, yes, a clean heart, he's still renewing and changing our minds. He's still doing something incredible because he's, he's intricately involved. He's intimately involved in our Amen. lives. Amen. Right? And so that's where that place of revelation comes, where we understand that he cares about where I'm at, what I'm going yes. through. Because here's the thing. He's been through it. He's been through it, too. He's been there. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> we have not a high priest that's not been touched by our infirmities. He, he, is, he, he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where I am. And in every moment and every stage and every every point of our lives, that's where he wants us to be right there in his presence at his feet with the revelation that he is the almighty God that holds our entire lives in his palm, in oh. his hand. That's well, where he wants us to be. Yes, well, think about it. Well, let's look at Mary and Martha, right? Yes. And let's look at she was so busy trying to tend to the, the cleaning the dishes preparing the meals, uh, cleaning up and all these different things. And, and here's Mary and she's just worshiping, just yes. sitting at the, and he says, Hey, you know, she's done this need, this needful thing. She's done. She's not to say that what you're doing is not important because there's a time and there's a place for that. But while I'm here, while the presence of God is before oh, you, absolutely. right. Yes. You have this opportunity Right to feel the power and the glory. You see the the glory of God in the face of Jesus, and you you can feel the presence and the love of God that just permeated and penetrated and radiated from Him. Right, and, and she's just so worried about she should be helping me because that's yeah. you know that's her responsibility. Yeah. But what about your responsibility to the to worshiping the King? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. To falling down. I mean, I mean, look at Peter, and, it, and it's the same thing. Simon, you know, at this point, after Jesus calls him to follow him, at this point, he forsakes his business. He he leaves his ships behind. He forsakes everything, and he follows Jesus. He dedicates the rest of his life to Jesus. But I believe, until the point in John twenty one, when God comes back to the shore, when Jesus is standing at the shore, and he says. He, he calls out to them in that moment when he jumps out of the boat and swims to Jesus until that point, it was just a business. It, yeah. he, he left one business and went to another. Wow. He, he left the business of fishing and went on, you know, Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men, but he really wasn't a fisher of men until after this point, until after Jesus had ascended. But he, he, and this is just my thought process, but he had left the business of fishing in the natural world. And he had went into the business of following. Yeah. And that's where a lot of us in that now following is important. Don't get me wrong. You know, even, even Paul, the, the apostle who wrote, you know, two thirds of the new Testament, even Paul had to follow before he started leading, you know, he stayed at Ananias's house for what, three years or, or somewhere along that yeah. he, he had to follow. There's, there's a point when we have to follow, but, but God didn't call us just to follow. He called us all to lead. And I don't care whether you're a pastor, whether you're a musician, whether you're a singer, whether you're a, just a lay saint that sits in the pews, you have a calling on your life to lead. There's a group of people in your life that that God expects you to lead, and you can't do that if all you're doing is is the business of church. You know, wow. we we're we're good at being professional Pentecost. You know, we know the songs to sing, we we know the words to say. I I could I could I guarantee you I could find something in every crowd to excite somebody with. 
but that's not what God's called me to do. God, God hasn't called me to just hype somebody up. He's He's called me to feed His sheep. Yeah. To 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 not just be a business of church, to not just go and do you know church as usual. And I hate that. I I absolutely loathe that term business church as usual. No, it's not church as usual. We should have supernatural church every time we go to the house of God. I, I, I don't believe that God gave us nine gifts of the spirit for them just to sit idly by until we're ready to Uh-oh. use them. Oh, but that's yeah. just me. Right. I, uh, funny. I, uh, I recently preached a message at my home church and <laughs> I titled the message when business as usual goes out of business. <laughs> And I was, talking, I was talking about the way that we always do things just isn't going to work. Yeah. We have to, you know, allow God to to come in and, and change us and, and move. And yes. we have to be. And I had it at the beginning of the year. Uh, maybe it's been it's been a year or maybe two ago now. And I had uh, Pastor Sam Emery on here. You know, he was talking about, you know, looking for where God is moving and trying to move and flow with it instead of. You know, we we're yes. so guilty. We're so guilty of trying to generate a move of God instead Amen. of just letting God do his thing. We we were having uh, we had like we had probably five weeks in a row where somebody was baptized, somebody received the gift Praise of the God. Holy Ghost, and you know, somebody decided made the commitment that they were gonna serve God. And so we, we, I mean, that was like five weeks in a row. And now I'm wondering, you, you know, you're looking at it, it's like, well, what happened? Yeah. Why is that not, why is that not still happening? Well, it's mm. because we've gone back to business as usual. Business where, as usual. Yeah. Where we are going to church and we're playing our part and we're doing our service. And really, to be fair, what are we doing? We're failing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Failing because our goal and you said it pretty good. Our goal is always, whether we're a lay person, whether we're someone who just attends, you know, church, sits on the pew, or whether we're on a ministry team, the leadership team, you know, whatever it is, wherever we find ourselves in the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to make disciples. That's right. And you can't make disciples if people aren't being born again. Amen. 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 And, and, you know, this is this is one of those things that I've kind of uh, here in the last few weeks, uh, last few months, actually, here at our home church. I've really felt like the Lord has um, led us to to do more of an in-depth study on just discipleship. You know, and, and I know yeah. there's a lot of programs out there that are discipleship programs and things like that. But um, we actually had a group of, of individuals, one of the that I work with um, at the sheriff's department that he and his family came. And um, he, him, he has nine kids. I mean, so talk about filling up a pew at one point. I mean, that's that's a lot. And they were first time visitors. And that first thing I'm talking about is uh, is the difference between faith and repentance. You know, talking about right. it. it's not yeah. just faith. It's not just a a confess with your mouth. And you know, the, yeah, that's a important step. You have to believe in your heart. You have to confess with your lips. But there's so much more you know, and repentance and then went into baptism and, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And, and they've come faithfully ever since that point. And one of the things he spoke to me about uh, maybe a week ago, 
he said, um, you know, we, we've visited a lot of churches around and everybody preaches the same thing. It's always, you know, John three sixteen or, or, or the, you know, um, the revelation of, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Passover and, you know, talking about communion and things. And he said that it's always the same thing. He said, and nobody's took the time to sit and to open up the scripture to us. And, and that's why God was pushing so much for me to sit and to do something that not, not just preach like normal, you know, get up and start yelling and, and spit fire and getting people excited, but to sit down and to open the word of God with people so they can understand because, I mean, after all, his people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge, not their lack of excitement. Wow. So wow. It, it's just um, God's called us to lead. He's called us to make disciples. He's, he's called us to be fishers of men, to, to catch them, to pull them in, to, to bring them to the cross through the Word of God, not through our antics, not through our, our programs. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not kicking programs. I'm thankful for programs. I love the programs that a lot of our churches have. But there comes a point when we just need the Word of God. Right. And we need right. to focus on the Word of God, and we need to grow grow churches that are strong in knowledge of the word of God and who Jesus is. But Peter, you know, whenever they, whenever Jesus brought them, and I mentioned this in the book, you know, when Peter wasn't just a fly by night saint, you know, he, he gave up everything. Matter right. of fact, it was Peter who Jesus at Caesarea Philippi, when he said, whom do men say that I am? Peter said, well, some say you're this and some say you're that. And he said, no, no, but who do you say that I am a Peter is the one who spoke up and said, well, I believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed art thou Simon Barjonas for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto you, but my father, which is in heaven, he changes his name to Peter and says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Not, not the rock of Peter, but the rock of the revelation of who Jesus is. He said, I will build my church on that revelation. And if we think in 2024 that we're going to build a church on anything other than the revelation of who Jesus is, then we're sadly mistaken. Come on. Yeah. Wow. That's where we've got to get, man. That's that's yes. what it's all about. Absolutely. The um, the point, you know, the book, as I was sitting there in, um, in Israel at the Sea of Galilee, and I was reading through Luke, and then I went to read through John, and I, I noticed a similarity there, too. You know, because if you look at, at at John 21, I believe it is, right? I'm, I'm going so many places here, I'm kind of forgetting where I am. Um, yeah, you look at John 21, Jesus comes to the shore after they've gone fishing. Jesus calls out to him, have you any meat? They say, no, you know, they've fished all night, they've caught nothing. And he says, he says something very interesting, because in Luke 5, he says, let out your nets, plural. And and Simon responds and says, I, you know, at your word, I'll let down a net. You know, right. I, Jesus asks him for everything, but he says, I, I'll just give you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we do that a lot with God too, but that's probably another sermon for another time. Um, but in John 21, Jesus doesn't say, let down your nets. He says, cast your net on the other side, almost in, in a sense that Jesus is reminding Peter of the first time that he met him on these shores, and he's reminding him of where he was whenever he came and found him. You know, Jesus, you know, Jesus, the the God, 
manifested in the flesh. Jesus, the God of creation, Jesus, you know, the the word robed in flesh, you know, we'd be held his glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, could have found disciples from anywhere, but yet he came to the Galilee and found these fishermen and found these men that other people did not like, that other people discounted and discredited and said that, you know, the Galileans, it's like the ghetto of Israel. It's the place where, you know, the unwanted people lived. He didn't go to the synagogue to find his disciples. He went to the place where the average person didn't want to go. And he found his disciples. Right. And that's, that's almost what Jesus is reminding Peter in this moment. He says, you remember when I met you? You remember when I asked you to cast out your nets and you didn't trust me then and you just threw out one net? Well, well, here's my thing. Go ahead and try that again. Throw that net out one more time. And, and the Bible says they threw it out and they catch all these fish. Now, just like the first time, they're catching all these fish, but it's different because this time the nets aren't breaking and the boats aren't sinking. Jesus is just reminding them. That he's the same God that reached out in the beginning and created the heavens and the earth. He's the same God who in Luke 5 met them and wanted to bless them at that same point. That same Jesus that spoke those words to the multitude from Simon's boat was standing at the shore at that moment speaking to Peter. After Peter had left him, after Peter had denied him, after Peter had failed him, it was that same Jesus that came back. Not only not only did he call out to Peter, but he called him his child. He said, children, have you any meat? Almost in a sense of saying, you know what, Peter? I know you failed me, but I still love you because you're my son. I still love you because you're my child. You still have a place in my kingdom. And that was where the heart of this book came, is that realizing that even though we fail, and even though we mess up, God still loves us. He he still calls out to us, even now, even in our failures, even in our weaknesses, when I am weak, his strength is made perfect. That, that's the beauty of the gospel. You know, Jesus, Jesus. if you read on Luke 21, Simon says, uh, or John speaking, he, he says he jumps, Simon uh, jumps up, he grabs his Peter, grabs his coat, he jumps in the water, he swims to Jesus. And Jesus is cooking a meal for them already. He's got fish on the fire and he's got bread. He's already cooking a meal for them. Now, now, this is an interesting thought, too. There's there's two places in the New Testament where a charcoal fire is mentioned. And the only two places they're mentioned is here in John 21 when Jesus is standing on the shore and he's preparing them a meal. And the other place where it's mentioned is when Peter sits down at a charcoal fire and a little girl says, aren't you one of the Galileans? Aren't you one of those men who are with Jesus? And Peter denies Jesus three times by a charcoal fire. And wow. and I, I don't know about you, but there's sometimes when I smell certain things or I see certain things, they bring back memories. There, there's yeah. a, there's a reason why there was a charcoal fire, but that's, that, uh, that's just one of my thought processes that just go off on it. Yeah. I um, yeah. The beautiful thing here is that Jesus says to the other disciples that were with him, he said, bring of the fish that you've caught. Now Jesus is already cooking fish. He doesn't need the fish that they have, but he tells them to bring it anyways. And the beautiful thing about the gospel to me is that Jesus doesn't necessarily need what I have to offer. He wants what I have. Wow. He wants me. 
and he wants you. Mm. Uh, Jesus has everything. He, he, he doesn't need our talents. He doesn't need our abilities. He wants us. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Amen. Yes, sir. And that's, that's what it's all about. You know, that's, we have, and it's so important that we recognize that we're children of God, but yes. not just children of God, children of King, the King. Yes. The King, yes. The creator, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, all things that were made by him were made right. for him. That includes yes. you and I, you know, and, and we, we have a place in the kingdom of God. We have a place serving the king. We have a place uh, in the loving arms of God. Amen. Think about the prodigal. The prodigal who, I mean, he failed, right? Oh, he took every, he took his birthright. He said, I'm going to take it. He goes, he spends it all. He blows it. He ends up, all his friends that he thought were his friends, you know, those the worldly people that just were hanging around because he had money ditched him and now they don't want anything to do with him they won't even give him room and board anymore absolutely they won't won't even give this guy a job around there and so he ends up in a pig pen working for this guy you know this farmer this pig farmer and he's sitting there and he's i mean you know here's the thing and and i this is this is what i think i think he was sitting there and and i don't think he was thinking about the father's house i think he was there and i think he was looking at that pig slop and and i think god implanted a thought in his mind yes i think god reminded him that there he still had a place amen and so he gets up and you know he's we you know we we i'm sure you've heard it preached and i've heard it preached a million times but he's on his way and he's rehearsing this speech he's like uh, he, he's, I'm going to, I'm going to tell him that I'm not worthy to be his son and I'm not worth, I'm, I don't deserve it. And, and I messed up and all these things. And, and he gets there and guess what? The father doesn't even want to hear it. He doesn't Absolutely. care. He runs to him, embraces him. And then he says, here's the best robe. Here's the family ring, the signet that, 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 that tells people that you have the authority of the family again. Yes. To buy, to sell, to whatever it is, you now have the authority again. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter. Your past is irrelevant. You walked away, but you're home now. You're back. And now here, here's the the robe. Here's the ring. Here's we're going to kill the fatted calf and we're going to have a party. But too many of us are guilty of having that older brother spirit. Amen. That says, says, hey, but I've been here all along. I've been serving for 50 years this guy leaves we're gonna have a party when he comes back but you forget that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner sinner. just one all of heaven there's a party in heaven so why aren't we having a party here why are we so excited why are we getting so excited because there was a one day one day we still had to receive that same revelation that the prodigal son had We we have to receive that revelation and that understanding that God doesn't just want to be an overseer. He wants to commune and to live and to be not just with us, but to be inside us and be part yes. of us. Yes. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. He wants us. He wants us home. You know, and that that's that's 
that's the beauty of the gospel that Jesus wants us home. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you are right now. Well, it doesn't matter your, your failures, your mistakes. He wants us to find ourselves, to find our purpose in the middle of our failures, to find our, to find him. Yes. And his presence. Cause, cause after all, he is our purpose. It's all for the glory of God. It's all for Jesus. We were created by him and for him. He is our purpose. To glorify him is my purpose in life. And when I can find that out, even in the middle of my failures, when I can find that out, I know God can use me. Amen. That is the truth. <laughs> and that's really, that's really where, that's where the rubber of, of our life and, and servitude towards uh, heaven is. That's that's really where that rubber meets the yes. road. That's 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 the place that we need to find ourselves. The place, that place of re relationship, the place of revelation, that place of understanding, because all understanding and all wisdom come from God. But God gives yes. to us liberally. All we have to do is ask, and and He wants us to understand that we have a place, we have a purpose in the kingdom of God, and He's always calling. He's always looking yes. for the for the lost sheep, for the one that walks away. He's always waiting and ready and searching them out and speaking to them and dealing with their hearts. And, and that is truly, you're right, that's the beauty of the gospel. Because there is, well, you know, Paul, what did he say? Such were some of you. Such were, absolutely. We, we, can, we can find ourselves no matter who we are or where we are today, no matter what office we hold, no matter where we stand in the church, no matter what uh, what gifts we've been given, we can all find ourselves in Scripture. Yes. One of those. Yes. Absolutely. And, and it's it's a beautiful thing. You know, we, we love to, to pick on Simon Peter, you're right, because Jesus asked him, do you love me? And he said, yeah, yeah, no, I love you. I, I do love you. And he asks him three times and in the one one little bit, he asked him three times, do you love me? And Simon gets frustrated with him. He's like, you know, I love you, Lord. And it's amazing because if you actually look at the Greek, you know, Jesus is asking Simon, he said, Peter, he said, do you agape me? You know, the, the agape love of God, the love that, that means I will give everything I have for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten so son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That kind of love that means I will give up everything. I will stretch forth my hands and die. That kind of love. And Peter's just responding, well, I, I phileo you. And, you know, in, in Greek, you know, I, it's kind of like I love cake and I love my wife, but that's two completely different loves. Right. You know, and Jesus is wanting to know, Peter, do you love me enough that you're willing to stretch forth his hands? And he, he actually goes on to say that when you were young, you you girded yourself and you walked wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch forth your hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee wherever you will not. And, and he's signifying of the death that Peter would have and the fact that he, he wouldn't even feel worthy enough to be crucified as Jesus was, that they would crucify him upside down. And as John is writing this in John 21, you know, it, this is after Peter had already died that John is actually writing this down. And you can almost feel the pride that John has for his friend, for Peter. Yeah. He records earlier, he records all of the mistakes, all the failures, everything that Peter did to, to fail God. But yet here at the end, he says, you know what? He did it. 
He, he, he found his purpose and he lived his purpose and he eventually laid his life down for the cause of Jesus Christ. There's almost a pride in the way John is writing about Peter in the end of this book. You know, that that's you and I, you know, we, we may have failures. We may have faults. We may have messed up. Sometimes we may have in our own minds disqualified ourselves but I pray one day that my children can look up at me and say, you know what, daddy found his purpose in the middle of his failures, in the middle of his struggles, daddy found his purpose and he did what God called him to do.